Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 209 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way and our very special guest, as you can see, he is Dave Choate, the Falcoholic himself. Dave, how are we doing tonight? Doing great. Good, it's good. Tough to beat the Saints, so. Almost time, yep. Just, just four precious days away from the kickoff of week one for the Falcons. Just one day, uh, if you're listening to the show live on Wednesday, if you're getting this Thursday morning, then it's that day. The day has come. Um, before we get real live NFL regular season football. So get excited, guys. Uh, of course, with us as well, like I said, Adan Ikic. Adan, how are you doing tonight? Uh, doing well. You know, it's it's game week. Um, kind of down because I already have some fantasy football injuries, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had Brian Robinson in every one of my leagues, and, like, it's just so sad because I he was going to – I think he has a chance to play again this year, so I'm, I'm holding out hope for him, but – just preseason fantasy football injuries of any type are just the worst. Um, it's just, it sucks for the player. Obviously, it yeah. sucks for our fantasy teams. I mean, more so for the player, obviously. But. Yeah, <laughs> I have him in my home league, and I also have George Kittle, who uh, is yeah, already... just mysteriously has an injury now. So, yeah. Yeah, so, had, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, tis the season again. Mm-hmm. Starting off on the right foot there. I always I always like to take tight end early, so I was in position to draft Kittle a bunch of times, and I just had this feeling like eh, I just rather have Waller. So I usually, I was taking Waller over Kittle, and I and Waller went like three picks before. Uh, probably from probably to me. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I was, yeah, I was talking about my like homely. I have oh, okay. <laughs> oh I'm yeah, that's right. Play. You got Pitts. So you're good. You're good in the patron league. You're you're all good. Um, all right, guys. Well, we won't start talking about our fantasy teams, you know, until the season actually starts. I promise. Um, but yeah, guys, we're going to kick things off here with discussing some of the recent news, like Drake London's practice status and Drew Dahlman being in the starting center, as well as uh, some updates on the, the players placed on IR since we last spoke to you. But I did want to give a shout out to Noah C. Uh, as you guys can see, uh, our new moderator, uh, Noah, very politely inquired about becoming a moderator like maybe six months ago and like i kept being like yeah that sounds cool and just like never doing it and Noah was exceptionally patient which makes me think he's a perfect candidate to be a moderator because it requires just an enormous amount of patience so welcome noah to the team he's going to be our dedicated anti-spam bot guy uh noah thanks so much for for your service uh and so everyone uh let him know how much you appreciate him as well noah's uh we were talking about noah's been with the show for three and a half years now i think he's been a patron for most of that time as well so uh really appreciate noah taking taking this on you guys are are not a very rowdy bunch so i i hope it won't be too much work necessary for noah but (laughs) it's for it's for those like uh Oh, hot, hot bods, you know, bots. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who Hot are, girls, you know, XXX. Offering you the time of your life. 
It's probably because we keep uh, talking about hashtag Dave Me, and then they're they're like, oh, well, this is that kind of channel. So we, you know, <laughs> we mentioned OnlyFans enough times, and the bots start showing up. So um, Dave after dark. Yep. 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 Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's go with what I think is the biggest news. Uh, well, we'll go with the quick news first because we don't have a final situation this yet. But Drake London is practicing. He was limited today uh we don't know what his like official status would have been on monday but he did practice that day as well another one um, of my fantasy players yeah <laughs> well then you can go first i don't know how are you feeling about drake london's status going into week one now that he has practiced twice this week although in a limited fashion presumably. Uh, a lot better i mean between you and me i was i was really worried uh because you know, Arthur Smith just gave nothing regarding the injury. And, you know, I get it. That comes from the Mike Vrabel coaching tree, which comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. And it's just like, it's just a bunch of branches out here of just not telling anyone anything. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was definitely getting concerning because, you know, he pretty much missed all of preseason after that first play and the rest of the rest of those practices, which is, which are very valuable to, any rookie uh, rookie wide receiver or any rookie in general going into the season. So I don't know. He may possibly start out a bit slow this season, you know, just because he doesn't have that rhythm down with his quarterback. Uh, he doesn't have, you know, those in-game reps uh, just yet. But, um, yeah, at, at the very least, it's good to see him practicing. Uh, but it is kind of concerning still that Arthur Smith won't, completely commit to him playing in week one he's he's still kind of nondescript about that yeah and i suspect that he will you know we all know arthur smith is extremely tight-lipped about injuries like way more than dan quinn ever was so it's been a bit of an adjustment for fans i think but it doesn't mean anything one way or the other his non-committal answers it's just sort of what he's going to do for every player whose status is up in the air so don't try to like read between the lines with coach smith he's just going to make a point of not committing to anything Unless a player's, like, obviously out, like, they're going to be put on IR or, like, they're just not practicing at all. Like, um, I don't think he's ever going to give anything away. So don't be surprised by that. Dave, you have any thoughts on, on the London situation? No, just that I, I do expect him to play. Um, I think this is probably just, like, an abundance of caution because, obviously, you don't want to turn this into a season-long thing. We, we certainly saw that they were cautious with, with Oliver and Deion Jones, putting them on IR when we, we kind of saw both of them play in that final preseason game, right? So I, I suspect that they're just trying to be careful and make sure he's good to go. But um, I'm, I'm not thinking he's he's not going to play, which is, which is good because I, I've been seeing, you know, I, I haven't experienced them, but I have seen like traces on my timeline of people arguing over whether Drake London is a bust because he's hurt. So, like, Falcons Twitter is already weird, so we need London to play and, and stop that right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very weird, um, you know, considering that, like, I mean, like, Richie Grant didn't even play for, like, the first half of the season, and, like, now everyone's sort of, like, excited about Richie Grant again because he's playing with the Stars, and it's like, this is just a, a really... Uh, really interesting thought experiment of people just really trying to get takes off or like form opinions about players before we've even seen the player regular NFL game, which to me is bizarre. I mean, obviously to some extent we want our draft takes to be right, but I, I don't know why any Falcons fan would be like that far off on Drake London, like to where they would be like, wish like they calling him a bust for getting hurt in a preseason game, which, and he got hurt on a great play too. Um, I, I do also record. 
That would be yeah. a record for how quickly a player becomes a bust. <laughs> like game. preseason week one makes like a 21 yard catch. He's a bust, you know, like that's, that's all there is. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Uh, London like survived all through training camp just fine without like, you know, like, like falling apart. Like he's not like a fragile player or anything like that. Um, so I, I think it was probably just a freak thing. Maybe just a little bit of overexcitement on London's part. He just ran a little bit, you know, too hardcore. Uh, got got those, you know, those first NFL catch jitters out. Uh, we could protect the body a little bit more, perhaps going forward uh, in a perfect world. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm expecting him to play unless we hear something different at this point, guys. So um, we'll see. Of course, what happens. Like, don't you know don't take that too seriously yet. Like if he practices in full tomorrow, he's playing probably if he practices in full on Friday. He's probably playing. Um, so I, I, I think he's on track to play. We'll see. Um, you know, he was in full pads and stuff today. Like when someone's limited, you don't really know exactly what that means. It could mean he did 99% of the work or it could mean he did like 10%. Um, but he appeared to be in full pads with a helmet and stuff like that. So it doesn't seem like he's far away from being, um, doesn't seem like he's far away from from being back to full practice status. So we'll, of course, continue to monitor that. Um, the other big news, Drew Dahlman officially named starting center. Uh, we had been waiting a long time to hear this battle uh, come to a close. I think we had all sort of expected that it would end during the preseason. Um, maybe it did, and they just didn't announce it. I mean, we don't really know, but they have officially... They have officially named Drew Dahlman the starting center. Over Matt Hennessy, uh, there wasn't really a lot of reasoning given other than that they feel that, like, Dahlman is the best option right now. Um, so, you know, we'll have to sort of make that what we will. I didn't think there was a huge amount of separation between either one of them in the preseason or training camp. Dahlman did seem to get more overall reps during training camp, so it seems like maybe that was meaningful. Um but there are some other, you know, off-field reasons why going with Dalman long-term might make a little bit more sense. Uh, Dave, what is what's your thoughts on Dalman winning the battle at center here? Yeah, it, it's sort of. Um, I, I guess it's what I expected, maybe later than I expected it. Um, I think, and Adnan, you wrote this at the time that he was selected in his draft profile. Um, that he, you know, we assumed the team was taking him to be a long-term starter somewhere. Um, probably center. And so last year when Hennessy kind of easily won that battle, I was like, well, maybe I overestimated how much they had invested in Dalman. Maybe they really are just kind of looking at him as a super sub on the interior. And then obviously he's won the job. So I, I think they just like his toughness. They like what he brings to the table as an athlete um, and as a technician at center. And so it, it's not stunning to see him win. I think the the only reason it's it's a surprise at all is because you know, Hennessy just started all year last year and they even were rotating Dolman in a little bit. Um, and obviously that experiment didn't really work out. So I think the thing with Dolman is you you have to assume, and based on what we saw from him in preseason, I think it's fair to assume that he improved a lot year over year. So, you know, I, I think we're going to find out pretty quickly if the Falcons have a good problem or in a problem problem at center, right? Because this was such a close competition. So you either have two quality young centers and Dalman happens to be the better one. He's going to take this job and run with it. We're all going to be happy. Or you have two young centers who aren't that good and they're going to have to go back and forth between them, which would be kind of a nightmare scenario for this offensive line. So 
really hoping, um, you know, no offense to Hennessy at all, but really hoping Dolman can just stick and yeah. have this job. Yeah, I yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, before I before I wax poetic any mo- more about the center position, Adnan, I want to give you a chance to get your thoughts in on Dolman being named the starter as well. Uh, I think it was kind of surprising, and I say that as the uh, the main driver of the Matt Hennessy hype train. Um, but of course, I just want the team to do well, and if Dolman beat Hennessy out, then you know, then great. Um, I think Kevin, you tweeted it out, but I think one of the reasons for this decision may have been the fact that Dolman has one more year of team control. He's younger um, and, you know, he's, he's not making as much money. So maybe that was the tipping point. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that one player or the other, and we, you know, we watched some training camp. We watched, we watched what we could in the preseason. Um, I don't think either one of those guys absolutely just ran away with the job. I think that's the reason why they were both named, you know, starting centers uh, on the depth chart. And I think that's why they were just that it was just now announced. And, you know, Arthur Smith just made a whole like fiasco out of it of just not announcing it in the first place. And then that became a bigger story than the center position itself uh, a little bit this week. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But the main point is I think both of these guys were really, really close. This was a pretty much a, a toss-up competition uh, at the end of the day. And, you know, I would understand if they decided to go with Drew Dahlman, whom, whom this regime drafted and, you know, who has that extra year of team control, you know, as, as the tiebreaker. I, I wouldn't be mad about that at all. But, you know, now we'll see. I don't think that Dalman will have a super, super long leash. Uh, I think that the team is comfortable with Hennessy knowing that if Dalman struggles out of the gate, they can they can make that change if, if they want, if they want to. But hopefully Drew Dalman, you know, surprises us and he has, you know, a hell of a season as as a starting center. Yeah, I think that control thing, you know, we're not going to we're not going to get into that kind of conjecture here. Those hypotheticals, you know, we're, that's. You know, look, we're trying to get ready for the Saints, so we're, we're not going to do that. Yeah. No, we're, we're, all of our attention's on the Saints, guys. Yeah, no, we're not looking toward next season at all. D-led Jeff Schultz. I thought he was going to start talking about us internet GMs again because, you know, Aaron Freeman and I are the, the leaders of the internet GM club. Um, so, but, you know, like, let's be honest, like those, those types of things do matter um, in a team's decisions, especially, and I'm not trying to say that, like, they, that like Dalman didn't win the job because he was the better player. My guess is that they were very close because that's what we saw on the field. Uh, so they, so when guys are very close on the field, then what do you use to make the decision? Do you use seniority? Do you use draft status? Do you use contract status? You know, there's all these other things that factor in. You know, how much is how much do his fellow teammates like him? How's his chemistry with the other offensive linemen? That sort of thing. Um, so it's entirely possible that. There were other factors involved. We, we won't know the extent of that, but I, I Drew, Drew Dolman's a year younger. He has a year more of team control at a slightly smaller salary than Matt Hennessy. So those are all things working in Dolman's favor. Um, none of them are super massive. I mean, if, if Dolman becomes a really good center, then that one more year of team control on a very affordable rookie contract matters a lot more, but we'll have to see. Um, but 
right now, I think either one is fine. I think the Falcons have two starting caliber centers on the roster. I think it's a good problem to have. Um, I did want to mention something interesting about center that I, I was looking at PFF's uh, top 32 centers uh, in the NFL this year. And interestingly, of the top 15 centers, I'm going to make sure I have this math right. Uh, I think it's eight of the top 15 centers were drafted in on day three or were undrafted. Eight of the top 15. Uh, so this is not a position that's dominated or requires a high caliber pick to to find a really good player. Uh, Corey Lindsley, for example, fifth round pick. Uh, J.C. Treader, who recently retired, he was a fourth round pick. Uh, Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in the league for a very long time, sixth round pick. Ben Jones of the Titans, very popular name here this offseason before he resigned, fourth round pick. Chase Rulier of Washington, uh, sixth round. Ryan Jensen, who unfortunately had that season-ending injury, but um, sixth round pick as well. David Andrews of New England, undrafted. Matt Paradise of the Panthers, sixth rounder as, as well. So um, you don't need a premium pick to, to have a good center. You just need a good player. Uh, so I think it's smart of the Falcons to keep taking shots at that position, using those day three picks on a position that traditionally you've been able to find good players uh, on the interior offensive line without spending top picks all the time. Um, you have to be able to do that somewhere because you can't fill every single spot on your roster with a premium pick. So um, if Dolman has legitimately won the job and ends up being you know, a, a solid to good starter, that's obviously a great use of a, of a fourth-round pick. So we'll hope for the best with Dolman and wish him luck against a very tough draw in the New Orleans Saints this week. Uh, so congratulations to Dolman. Um, you know... And we will we will hope for the best for his week. Um, yeah, let's uh, real quick touch on the roster moves this week. Uh, we didn't they they occurred after we recorded last Wednesday's show, so we just wanted to touch on the IR moves and the corresponding moves and sort of like the final roster that the Falcons have. Um, so just to recap real quick for everyone, the Falcons did end up placing five players on injured reserve after we recorded the final roster, quote-unquote, uh, show last week. Two offensive players, uh, rookie sixth-round pick John tight end John Fitzpatrick and uh, much-maligned guard Jalen Mayfield. Then we also had three defensive players go on IR, uh, Marlon Davidson, the defensive tackle, Deion Jones, the linebacker, and cornerback Isaiah Oliver, uh, so those on defense, very significant losses on offense, probably guys that were just going to be depth players. Um, but I did want to give, uh, I'll go to Dave first here. Dave, any of those players being put on IR surprise you or, or really move the needle for you in terms of this team, uh, going into week one? Only Oliver, right. Um, once, you know, Mayfield was a guy, obviously I expected to start all year, um, because I didn't have Wilkinson on my radar as a left guard because he's never played it, but. I mean, hopefully this ends up being ingenious moves, but we knew that, you know, Wilkinson had that job. With Oliver, it's it's concerning to me, um, not because I, I don't want Oliver to have the time to recover. I think that's a good thing. And I'm hoping he can step right in when he gets back. But, you know, without him, you're leaving the nickel position to, I, I think, some combination of Mike Ford and D. Alford. And, I, I think Alfred had a terrific summer. I'm a believer in the talent, um, but you would be, you know, throwing him out there potentially in week one against a hated rival with a rebuilt receiving core that could give him some fits. Or you have Ford, 
who I think is a terrific special teamer um, and, and certainly a capable enough player. He's done this before, but um, he did struggle a little bit in coverage in preseason um, by the looks of it. So to me, that was a little bit of a concern knowing that, you know, instead of kind of being out there week one, as I assumed he'd be um, working against the Saints and, and really, you know, filling a position he showed he can play at a high level a year ago, you know, we're going to be without Oliver for the first, first four weeks of the season against some really tough opponents. And, and you're kind of rolling the dice a little bit with either a young player who is talented but isn't proven yet or, or a guy who, you know, hasn't really um, held down the nickel position at any point in his career for any length of time. So that is that is a concern, and that was a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, all good points. Adnan, uh, your thoughts on the players put on IR to start the season? Yeah, the big one is definitely Isaiah Oliver just because he – when fully healthy is uh, a starting cornerback. Uh, he's a, a starting nickel corner. And, you know, he's someone that looked really good up until his injury last year. And, you know, it, it is slightly concerning that uh, he's still, you know, on the injured list and dealing with this, uh, I think it was a torn ACL, which, you know, it, a torn ACL isn't just like a one shot like type type injury like some players come back from a quicker um I am definitely trying to see uh what you know if if he comes back uh healthier um if if he's slowed down at all but you know uh, other than Isaiah Oliver it's it was kind of kind of weak weird surprising yet not at the same time seeing Deion Jones on IR I feel like this kind of just gives them some time with with Deion uh to see what what they want to do I, I think that the coaching staff is hesitant they don't really want to throw him out there but now they have that excuse of oh like he's he's on IR so we don't have to play him while probably most likely shopping him uh at this very moment and and to anyone who would take him. Um, I, I don't think that they want Deion Jones on this team at all moving forward. But yeah. uh, it would be difficult to just, like, outright cut him. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I think Marlon Davidson may be one of those guys who, like Rasheed Hageman a few years ago, after he gets off IR, I wouldn't be surprised if he was outright cut. Um, I don't think he, he showed enough uh the past couple years and uh he may be one of those guys the coaching staff may kind of be be over um you know i wouldn't mind seeing him get another chance but it it just wouldn't surprise me if he was just immediately let go of um and yeah other than that we didn't really know any elements of john fitzpatrick who was the sixth round rookie um but you know, it it did let them bring some guys back immediately. And this is what we were discussing on the show last week, uh, that the team was probably not going to let some of these guys go for long, like Dean Marlowe, Mike Ford, especially. I think we mentioned them by name. Yeah. That they were probably going to be back on the team the very next day after some uh, IR moves. And this is just the team strategically using the IR with some of these guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am interested to see what they do at tight end because this is a team that often activated four on game day. Uh, only three on the roster now, With even with Felipe Franks officially categorized as a tight end. So I do wonder if they will, you know, 
elevate like a Michael Pruitt or, a, or an Anthony Ferkser off of the practice squad um, just so they have an extra body at the position because they run two tight end sets like all the time. Uh, and they really only have one blocking option in Parker Hesse. So if anything, God forbid, were to happen to Parker Hesse, where you have to miss some snaps, they don't really have another blocking tight end. So it might be someone more like Michael Pruitt who ends up getting the call up week to week. Um, so that is something I'm monitoring as well. And I agree with you about Marlon Davidson. It probably depends on how these these other guys fare, right? Like if Timmy Horn gets into the game and looks great, or if Matt Dickerson gets into the game and looks great, then they're more likely to be willing to move on from Marlon Davidson. But if they are sort of uninspiring, they'll probably be like, all right, Marlon, we'll show us what you got. Um, but hopefully it's a minimum stay on IR for all these guys. I don't think any of them were considered to be like long-term injuries. Um, so we'll just have to see how that shakes out. But uh, certainly will be interesting to see how long they spend on IR. And particularly with Oliver and everything that Dave was mentioning about the nickel uh, the slot cornerback spot. Uh, I do like who is it gonna who's gonna start there. I think that's the last thing we'll get to before we start the season preview here. Uh, like, is it gonna be D. Alford? Because if it was up to me, I would play D. Alford there without hesitation. I thought he was the far better, more inspiring slot player than Mike Ford. Who, like, to be fair to Mike Ford, is fine, but he's not really here to play cornerback. If we're being honest, like he's here to play special teams. Uh, I would let D. Alford go see what he can do um and you know one way or another we'll know if we need (laughs) someone else at nickel uh, slot corner over the next few weeks until oliver comes back or not but um i'm curious uh adnan you first who do you think will be the the slot starter on sunday uh so that's one of those compelling arguments of do they go with uh the guy who has the nfl experience because i feel like had you asked this question before training camp, before preseason began, it would have obviously been, you know, Mike Ford because he he's the guy that, you know, he has the NFL experience. He's the veteran. But if you go with the guy who looked better over the past month, it would, you know, definitely be Alford. Um, I think that they will go with, with Alford uh, because he, he looked so good in the preseason. But it this is one of those where it definitely just would not surprise me at all uh, if if they ended up um if they ended up going with Ford. The other reason why I think it will be Alfred is because they did initially cut Ford. Uh, it didn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things, but maybe that's one of those reading the tea leaves where it's like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe they are planning on making them the backup to Isaiah or, or excuse me, the backup to Alfred potentially until Isaiah Oliver comes back and, you know, that's Alfred's spot because Alfred looked, Alfred was maybe the defensive MVP yeah. of, of training camp and preseason. He looked really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he certainly didn't fall off when he got elevated to second team reps either. Uh, he played, you know, third team for a decent portion of it and then played really well on second team too. Dave, are you leaning Alfred as well? Or do you think they'll, they'll stick with the veteran and Mike Ford? I am leaning Alford, and, and I, I am somewhat surprised, and, and maybe they'll surprise us that Darren Hall isn't a factor here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he I know he primarily played outside in college, and, and you know, having a guy who you trust to kind of man that uh, role as a, as a direct backup for Terrell and Hayward is a big deal. But, like, he, he played reasonably well in the nickel. I was optimistic after the time he spent there last year. So 
as like an emergency option. I'm a little surprised that his name hasn't even come up. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I think if it is really down to Ford and Alford, which I think it is, um, I would also play Alford. I suspect that's what they're going to do. Um, obviously, if he really struggles, they have Ford there available, ready to go. But when you when you don't have any ideal options for that role, I think you go with the young guy with a lot of promise and, and see what he can do. I, I think you kind of already know what Mike Ford can do um, right. in that role. And, and it, it is, you know, again, he's he's an experienced veteran, but he's an experienced veteran. So, you you know, you know what you're going to get. And you know that it's not as good as what Alfred hopefully can give you. So I would yeah. just hold my nose, take my chances and see how he does. Yeah, I I think that's the best way to to start to start things out. Certainly, um, you know I know some folks have mentioned that you know uh, Mike Ford is like a bigger player. Um, I know I know the Alford's smaller. I'll probably have to look at the official roster because Alford does not have an RAS because he did not participate in the combine. Um, but Mike Ford is a decent sized corner, right? Over six foot, almost two hundred pounds. So he certainly has the size. D. Alford listed at 5'11", 175. Again, like, Ford has the weight, certainly, but at corner, I mean, I'd argue, like, 5'11", versus 6 foot, not a huge difference. You know, 5'11", sort of checks the box. We're like, okay, you're big enough. Um, but I uh, I don't think that's going to really factor into their decision. They'll play the better guy. Like, I don't think Alford looked poor in run support or anything like that to where you'd be concerned that he couldn't hold up there. Um, so... I, uh, that's, that's where I'm leaning well. So I think we're all sort of leaning that way. We'll see how it pans out. It also wouldn't shock me or probably any of us, uh, that they decided to go with the veteran. But I think this year also taking into account these IR moves and sort of stashing all these players that maybe they could have been ready in one or two weeks. You know, Oliver was playing in the preseason game. So was Deion Jones. Like, um, the fact that they're willing to sort of stash them for a few weeks to sort of check out these other guys on the roster might also sort of tell you where their head's at and like okay we want to see these young players play we don't need to see the veterans we want to see these young guys go out there and play see what they can do and we're okay stashing guys for a couple extra weeks so we can do that instead of carrying them on the roster for a week or two uh as injured players so props to the new short-term ir rules though basically making it like something you can do i think it's like eight times or 10 times or 12 times or something now it's not like unlimited. It's not like unlimited like it used to be during COVID, but like that's a lot of guys that can come back where it used to be, you know, two and they had to miss half the season. So um, that's definitely going to be really helpful for teams and lead to a lot more players signing and getting ability to play NFL snaps than it was before, which is ultimately a good thing for everyone instead of teams having to carry like five or six guys that are hurt for like two or three weeks on their roster and just decimating their depth as a result. So, um, all right, season preview. Wow, season preview time. Uh, you guys, you you ready to tackle this twenty twenty two season? Of course. All right, so this is how it's gonna work, folks. We're gonna talk our way through the entire twenty twenty two season. We're gonna do it in four game chunks. So week one's weeks one through four, five through eight, nine through twelve, etc. Uh, I'm gonna go give mine. Then uh, Adnan will give his, and then Dave will give his. Then we'll go in the backwards order, so everyone gets a chance to talk first. Um, so yeah, we will we will work our way through it, uh, and we will do our best to provide you, of course, the most accurate and you know perfect prediction of all time. 
Um, so I'll, I'll start things off to get everyone mad at me because of the way I predicted the first four games to go. Uh, if you guys have read, you know, my articles, you know, I'm, I, you know what my record overall prediction is. So I think it's, they could easily win another game or two than this. Uh, I think they could also drop, you know, one or two of these games. It's just sort of the nature of things. So I, I'm trying to land sort of right in the middle. Um, but for me, week one against the Saints, I do have them losing. Part of that's because I need I need to have them losing that game for my official picks in order to give them the kiss of death. That's what I had to do last year, and it worked, I think, 75% of the time that I picked them, they lost. So that's, you know, I'm falling on the sword for you guys. You know, I have to do this to give them the kiss of death. Uh, it's still I also, it is very, it's a shameful act, for sure. Everyone, let's get them. Boo. <laughs> um, also... The Falcons have the Falcons losing at the Rams in week two. Uh, they will defeat the Seahawks in week three, and I do have them losing against the Browns in week four, but that one's sort of a coin flip for me. Um, so Adnan, uh, where, where, is your, uh, where do you stand weeks one through four? All right. I, can, I can't in good conscience pick us to ever lose against the Saints. Okay, that's totally um, fair. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm taking us to beat the Saints in week one. You know, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to start it off at 1-0, and and we're probably going to have some people saying that we're going to go to the Super Bowl as a result. Um, week two, uh, we're going to come back down to earth having to, <laughs> to face the Rams because uh, we have to go to Los Angeles uh, against the Rams team that is going to be coming off of 10, 10 days rest. They play on Thursday night tomorrow. And we're going to have to fly to the West Coast and play a team that's vastly superior in every facet of the game. Uh, except for maybe kicking. You know, shout out to Young Wei. <laughs> Young Wei Koo. Yeah, we always have that one. Yeah, and we'll always have that. Uh, I think we'll beat Seattle. I don't know what the hell is going on down there. Apparently, I read that that they only wanted to trade Russell Wilson to Denver because they only wanted Drew Locke. Yes. And that's and then they refused to take a quarterback because they thought that Drew Locke was better than every rookie quarterback um, in this class. And then Drew Locke didn't even win the starting job. So, you know, that's how things are going in Seattle. Uh, and then I think we lose to Cleveland. Uh, even if Deshaun's not playing, uh, that offensive line is much better than our defensive line. Their defensive line is much better than our offensive line. Uh, and I think they're going to run all over us with Chubb and Hunt. And, you know, I think Brissett will game manage his way to, to a comfortable win there. Yeah, that's that one's I think it could go either way, but I do think they're built really well to sort of yeah hold the Falcons down. Um, the Browns so, are built well in general. I'm, I'm yeah. very impressed with the way that they've made. Like, I think if they had a better quarterback than Baker, they could have legitimately made some noise the past few years. Yeah, it's very disappointing the way that's turned out. No kidding. All right, Dave, bringing up the rear on the first four games, uh, who do you have for the first four games this season? What's your prediction? Yeah, the Falcons are going to beat the Saints. Yes, um, yes. We're all going to enjoy it. I have talked way, way too much shit about the Saints for that to not happen. I might have to go into hiding again, uh, which is easy because I live in the frozen north. But Yes, uh, they're not brave enough to come up there. No, they're not. They're not coming up here. Not not until it thaws, anyways. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then I have them definitely losing to the Rams. If they beat the Rams, you're going to see me putting on my "They're going to the Super Bowl" hat real quick. Um, it's just a hat that says "They're going to the Super Bowl" on it. And I have it. 
and they're definitely going to beat the Seahawks, who I think are a huge dysfunctional mess. Um, the Browns is it is a trickier game to predict. It is interesting, you know, sort of without Watson to think that one might go sideways for the Browns. The Falcons might be able to sneak out a win there. I'm open to the idea, but I, I happen to think Brissett is better than he's given credit for, and they'll probably still win. So in my mind, they leave that those first four games at two and two. All right. All right. Seems seems logical. I I don't disagree with any of that. All right. Adnan, you get to start us off this time uh, for the second stint, which is weeks five through eight. Uh, week five at the Bucks. Week six, 49ers come to town. Week seven at the Bengals. And then week eight, the Panthers come to Atlanta. So, Adnan, how are you feeling about those four games? You guys see what I've been talking about all offseason about how much more difficult the schedule is this year than it was last year against those really bad rookie and really young quarterbacks because weeks five through eight, at least weeks five through seven, look really brutal. This is three teams that all made the playoffs uh, last year. Uh, I think the Bucks will win uh, that game in week five. Uh, I always say the games against Tampa and the games in the division will, are always a lot closer than we expect them to be. And, you know, I, I think the Falcons will put up a fight because that's just how these division games go. But the Falcons still don't have the horses to beat, to beat that Bucks team. Um, San Francisco, week six, you know, the team will have the red helmets. You know, Evan will be there. He, he's very excited. <laughs> Uh, it, I don't think it'll matter. The 49ers are also a much more talented football team. Um, then you have to go to Cincinnati against the reigning AFC champions and a really up-and-coming Bengals team. Uh, that'll be another loss. And then I think the Falcons will win that game against Carolina uh, a week later at home. I think that I think we split the season series against the Panthers and we'll get the one at home. And that, that'll kind of end what, by my prediction, will be a five-game losing – or, excuse me, a four-game losing streak where, you know, we will have used up all that goodwill from those first from those first three weeks. So, um, so far I have them at what, uh, two and two? You have them at – I yeah. think it's – yeah, three and – Three and six? I think it's three and six, yep. Oh, oh wait no that's that's no, been three and five that's it yeah so so far three five. Three yep. Five. yep okay dave where do you stand on the same slate of games uh i hate to be a copycat but i, <laughs> I have it down in writing because we have predicted all these games and round tables um yes. but same thing um you know dave i'm sorry for not contributing to a lot of those round tables yeah i know <laughs> yeah. My predictions, man. I, I was so good at the start like i, I think i went through the first like through like the Cleveland game. And then I think I went to Germany for a couple of weeks. And then when I came back, I'm like, ah, there, there's no more record. You know, I, I've lost the continuity. I lost yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's okay. I forgive you. Um, but also, you know, I do think like this is, this is sort of the stretch, right? Where we're going to know whether the Falcons are for real or not, because if they can steal a couple of these games, um, even one of these games, it's it's going to be a sign because last year, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, but like worst point differential ever for a seven win team, also the worst point differential ever for a six win team. And they had seven. 
um, didn't beat a, a contender all year. Only, you know, their biggest win was by eight points. Like this is a different roster. This is a coaching staff that I do believe has learned. Uh, we're going to find out how big of a difference it makes. Me personally, I think it's not going to make enough for them to to win out in this stretch. I do think they're going to lose every game except the one against the Panthers, which I expect to be a, a bloodbath in favor of the Falcons. I just think they have Carolina's number. I don't think it matters, you know, if Baker Mayfield's under center or, you know, who is at the end of the day. I think the Falcons will win that one. Um, I do think that the other three games in that stretch are just going to be a little bit too hard to win. Um, I think Tom Brady should still be alive at that point. Uh, the Botox won't have completely consumed him. So got to wait for that, that win against Tampa Bay until later in the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really tough stretch might be the toughest of any stretch on the entire schedule. Um, and I have it the exact same way. I, I don't think they're going to beat the Bucks on the road. Uh, I don't think they're going to beat the 49ers. It could change. That one's definitely closer. Uh, but you know, the 49ers is a really tough draw, great defense. Uh, we'll see what their offense looks like. But, I mean, they've been carrying Jimmy Garoppolo to, like, NFC championships with Kyle Shanahan in that roster. So, I don't think Trey Lance even really has to do a whole lot for that to continue. Um, the Bengals, I mean, it's the AFC champions on the road. Like, it's just, that's a really, really tough draw. Uh, and the Panthers, they'll beat. Because the Panthers, by that time, will have completely fallen off a cliff and the dumpster fire will be on. And it's entirely possible that they will have cleaned house at the top of that raw, uh, top of that coaching staff at that point. Um, so, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Usually the Panthers keep it together for about five weeks before the wheels fall off. So I suspect that will be a similar timeline this year. Um, all right. Week 9 through 12. Dave, you get the first crack at this set of games. Week 9, the Chargers come to Atlanta. So it's two weeks of a home game stretch. Uh, then we got the... Uh, we're going to be on the road to the Panthers. So that's the Panthers twice in three weeks. Uh, the Bears in week 11. And then at the Commanders in week 12. So take it away, Dave. Yeah, I've got them winning uh, two out of four in here. And, and this is the stretch where, like, I think... I had had the hardest time this and, and the game immediately following the stretch kind of predicting which way it's going to go, because I look at it and I definitely see them beating the Panthers twice. I, I flatly just see that something that's going to happen. You know, again, Matt rule could be on his way out. So maybe they get a little bit of a dead cat bounce from that, but I don't think it matters. I think again, they have Carolina's number. I, I think the chargers are probably too good. Assuming they aren't completely broken by their, you know, curses, injury luck um, to beat at this point in the year. And I think probably, you know, the commanders, that's the tough one for me, right? Like, are they going to beat the commanders from a talent perspective? I don't know if they're in the same league, but we're talking about a team led by Carson Wentz. So I'm saying they'll probably lose that one, but that's one of my least confident predictions of the season. I do think they'll beat the bears. I think Poor Justin Fields, um, you know, and, and David Montgomery and the the handful of players on that team that are really good and are going to try really hard and it's not going to matter a whole lot, which is a relatable thing. But I, I do think the Falcons beat the Bears. So they kind of come out of that stretch and I think it would be five and seven. Yeah. All right. Gotcha there. So we got uh, losses against the Charger, loss against the Chargers and loss against uh the commanders right those were the exact ones and then wins against the panthers and bears yeah gotcha yep. all right 
All right, I will go next in the rotation as we snake through these predictions. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers are just as cursed as us. I, I never know what's going to happen when two cursed teams play. Usually chaos, so that one could be weird. Uh, I do with the Falcons uh, losing the road game against the Panthers. But again, I think that one's pretty much a coin flip. Like, if they're in true dumpster fire mode, that we could be looking at that Week 10 game. as like, they should really win this game. Um, I kind of feel like that's how it was last year, and they lost it. So, <laughs> hopefully this year that wouldn't be the case. Uh, they will definitely beat the Bears. I think we can all feel pretty confident about that one. I think the Bears have a claim on maybe being the worst team in the NFL this year. Um, and then the, pan- the the Commanders, I think, is like absolutely just a coin flip. I have no idea what that team's going to look like by Week 12. Uh, I have them losing it because of my overall prediction, but you could easily, if you called that a win, I wouldn't argue with it with you at all. I think there's a good chance they could win that game, but, um, you know, it's on the road. It might be tougher, so we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, Adnan, your predictions for Weeks 9 through 12. Um, the Chargers will be a very scary game in Week 9. Uh, I have the Chargers. I, I, I think that the Chargers this year will make the AFC title game. Like, I'm that high on Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and I think Herbert will give a major run for the MVP award if he doesn't outright win it. Uh, I'm that high on him, and I think that he could go for, like, over 400 yards in that game against the Falcons' defense. Um, I think that'll be a bit of a bloodbath, if if we're being completely honest. I have us losing the game in Carolina, uh, and one of the reasons why is because that'll be – the second game in three weeks, that's a Thursday night game. The second time the Falcons are playing the Panthers in 11 days. And it's just really, really difficult. I, it doesn't matter what team you are. It's really difficult to beat anyone twice in three weeks, uh, especially division rival. I think the Panthers will get up for that game. Um, it reminds me of 2015 when Carolina had a vastly superior team to the Falcons. Uh, they beat the Falcons in Carolina, what, 37 to nothing in week, was it week 14? And then two weeks later in week 15, the Panthers were 15-0. and 0, And we all remember the Falcons having that really major feel-good win and ending their undefeated season. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely think the Panthers will, um, I think they'll adjust and They'll, they'll change some, some stuff, even if Christian McCaffrey will probably be injured by then. And they'll they'll probably come away w- with a victory there. And I'll just call that a scheduling defeat for that reason. After that, I think Desmond Ritter may take over the, the reins as a starting quarterback, uh, given that extra three days of rest. And I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the Falcons in the game against the Bears. Their offensive line is just such a disaster that I think even Atlanta's you know, defensive line, which was last in sacks last year, will will get enough pressure. And I just don't see enough talent on that Bears offense. They have the worst group of pass catchers in the NFL, probably by a good margin. Um, and I think the Falcons will take advantage of there. And, yeah, like you guys said, the game against the Commanders could go either way. I have that one as a loss. Uh, it's, a, it's a road game. Um I think Brian Robinson will be back by then. I I personally think he'll be back like after his IR stint. He's already he's already looking very healthy, and you know, thank God for that. Um, but yeah, I I, I think the Commanders have have a lot of talent. It could go either way because you could have some one of those games where Carson Wentz makes a lot of mistakes, 
but you know, uh, I would go, I'll go with Washington in that game. Okay. Sounds good. So you have them going two and two as well. Uh, with losses against the Chargers and Commanders, and then wins against Panthers and. No, 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 no. I have oh, a loss against, the loss against the Panthers. Oh, sorry, okay, I misheard well, that one. I have that uh, a one and three in that four. Okay, games. one and three. Gotcha. So same as me then. Never mind. Sorry, 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 everyone. Got to keep the numbers correct. Okay. Adnan, you will take us through the final five picks because, of course, we now have an odd number of games. Thanks, NFL. Uh, so this will be the largest stint, the final stretch. Uh, week 13, the Steelers will be coming to Atlanta. Week 14 is a bye, so we don't have to pick that one. Uh, and then we've got week 15 at the Saints, week 16 at the Ravens, and then week 17, at, uh, the Cardinals will be in Atlanta, and then week 18, the Bucks will be in Atlanta. So how are you feeling for that final five-game stretch? Can the Falcons st- finish strong, Adnan? Uh, I just want to say... Well, I feel like we're getting a bit hosed right here because, you know, we're only getting paid to predict 16 games, but we have to predict 17 games, you know, so we need to do a better job with our, with our CBA and our, our union negotiations uh, during the next round of contract talks. You know, I'm talking to you, Dave. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, the, the last five, uh, the game against Pittsburgh, you know, you feel like that one should be one of those games that you chalk up as a win just because of their um, quarterback situation. I think Kenny Pickett may be starting by then. I think we'll legitimately get a Ritter versus Pickett game in that one. Um, but the Steelers are just so well coached, and they're just, I think, so so much better overall than the Falcons at you know those non-quarterback positions. And even quarterback will probably be a toss-up at that point. Um, you know, they have TJ Watt who had more sacks than the entire Atlanta Falcons team last season. That's a legitimate stat. Um, they have Hayward, who's maybe the best non Aaron Donald defensive tackle in the NFL. I think those guys will wreak havoc if they're, if they're fully healthy. They do, even with their, uh, offensive line, which isn't that great. They still do a good job of controlling the clock with Najee Harris. Uh, they feed him, they pound the rock. And, you know, I don't think Mike Tomlin has ever had a season where he was below 500, which is an incredible stat because the Falcons haven't spent a day above 500 in the last four years. Um, I think I think Pittsburgh comes away with, with a win in that one. Uh, we'll have the bye week. The game in New Orleans, the bye week doesn't really matter because the, the Saints are also coming off of, off of their own week 14 bye. Um, and, you know, logically... On paper, the Saints are probably the better team in New Orleans and probably should win. But like I said, I, I can never pick the Falcons to lose against the Saints. So, you know, we're sweeping the Saints this year. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm calling my shot right there. Uh, we're going to sweep the Saints. And even even though we will have only won a few games, we'll, have, we'll be talking shit all, all offseason. Um, yeah. So when in New Orleans, the game against in Baltimore will probably be a bloodbath as well. I, I have no confidence in that one. Uh, that one's on Christmas Eve. Uh, Lamar Jackson will probably do whatever he wants in that game. The Ravens are uh, a team with legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. I think they're much better. Uh, same with Arizona. 
and Tampa Bay. I think both of those games are also losses, uh, two games at home. Uh, maybe Kyler Murray, you know, has will have fallen off by then because the new Call of Duty will have come out uh, earlier. But uh, I think the Cardinals and, and the Bucks are two teams that are going to be most likely in the playoffs with, with higher aspirations than the Falcons. So the last stretch I have is going one and four, and that one is only because of a pick with my heart. Okay. I got you. All right. One and four. So Adnan, you would then have them finishing five and 12 overall. Yes. Okay. Will match what I have on paper. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll go over our overall predictions too. And what, where we think it could change. Um, at the end, Dave, you're up next. Same five-game stretch, Steelers at Saints, at Ravens, Cardinals, Bucks. How are you feeling going into that home stretch of the year? So I've been agonizing over the Pittsburgh game in particular for a long time um, because I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. You know, the roster is pretty good. Right now, um, and I'm going to put this down on paper and finalize it, uh, I've got them winning that game. I think they can win that game. I think the quarterback woes at Pittsburgh are going to be a big problem this year. And I also have them uh, knocking off a disinterested slash Tom Brady-less Buccaneers team, depending on whether he retires early again before the 18th week of the season. Um, So winning two out of that last five. So I, I do think they'll struggle to beat Arizona. I think, you know, assuming everybody's healthy over there, that's a good football team. Even if I don't think much of their coach, I think they probably sadly won't beat the Saints twice as much as I'd like them to. And the Ravens are just an extremely, extremely tough matchup, especially when you're on the road. So um, I have them going, I guess, two and three in that final stretch, which would put me at seven and 10. And I've been swinging back and forth between six and 11 and seven and 10 for a long time now. So I'm going to go with seven. Okay. Seven and 10. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Honestly, I think I'm going to, I'm going to end up coming in, in the middle of those, not really a spoiler if anyone's read anything that I've put out. Cause I've kept my number basically the same since like the start of training camp. But, um, I will have them before we talk about our overall records. Uh, I will have them beating the Steelers. I I do think that the Steelers are well coached, but I think the Falcons are actually well coached too. I think you could see that in the way that they did win a lot of close games last year. They also have Young Way Koo, um, who might be the more important factor in those close games. Is that Young Way Koo just doesn't miss kicks, um, and that that comes down to be the difference in a lot of close games. The Steelers' offensive line is just not very good anymore. Um, Apparently, James Daniels, who was like a guy I was huge on signing, has been quite bad for them in camp to the point where their writers were very alarmed. Um, they have a really awful linebacking duo, which is crazy considering Devin Bush and Miles Jack were like first round picks, but both were graded in the 30s, according to PFF last year. Um, and then their secondary outside of Micah Fitzpatrick is just not very good. Uh so they, they have a lot of weaknesses. Obviously, their wide receivers are great. I think Pat Fryermuth is a good young tight end, but um, I think the Falcons can win that game. And like I think the chalkier thing would have been like, oh, they'll beat the Commanders and then lose to the Steelers, but I think it never goes like we expect. So I'm going to say that they'll lose a game that they should win against the Commanders and then go out and beat the Steelers the next week for no reason at all. Um, just that, you know, that's the way it works sometimes. Uh, after that, I do have them uh, defeating the Saints on the road to get revenge for week one. I will absolutely never predict the Saints to beat 
uh, to sweep the Falcons, that would be sacrilege. I think that the Falcons will be a little bit more settled by the time week 15 comes around. And I think the Saints will have probably already uh, be out of the playoffs in week 15 or close to it. Uh, and this will hopefully be the nail in their postseason coffin. So I'm I'm ex- I'm hoping for the the, the uh, late season win over the Saints to be much more sweet than the early season one. Um, I don't think the Falcons are going to beat the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are very good, and it's on the road. That's a really tough place to go play. I do think they will beat the Cardinals. It's well documented now. This would be I think it's two or three years now. The Cardinals are not the same team in December that they are early in the year. They they tend to fall off a cliff. They tend to play very poorly. Call I don't. Of yeah, I don't know if it has to do with Call of Duty or just teams really get the tape on on Kingsbury's wrinkles that he puts in, and then it's he just doesn't adapt very well. I don't know if it is Kyler Murray or what, but um, that team had the worst pass defense in football last year, or one of the worst pass defenses in football. Sure, they're high scoring, but uh, I think the Falcons will be able to move the ball against uh, bad defenses, and I think that might be what the Cardinals are. Um, so I think the Falcons at home have a good chance of winning that game. I think that they will lose that final game to the Bucks because the Bucks are just a really good team. Um, but that will have the Falcons come in at 6-11. and 11. But like I said, there's a couple of coin flip games in there, like the road game against the Panthers and against the Commanders, the Steelers. Um, you know, So if some of those games go the Falcons' way instead of not the Falcons' way, we could see them go, you know, closer to a winning season. If they were to lose those games, then they're going to be closer to that four, you know, three, four win floor and probably picking in the top three. At this point, I think based on my six and 11, I, I think they'll probably pick somewhere in the top eight or so. I think I have them at like six or seven approximately. Um, and I think that's pretty fair. And if this was an easier schedule, they'd probably, we'd probably be predicting them closer to 500, but it's a lot harder than it was last year, and I think that that will matter. And it's some regression of the meeting in the close games because they're not going to go seven, like seven and zero or seven and one or whatever it was in, in one score games like they did last year. It just it doesn't happen. Um, it's very unlikely. I think they will still be a good team in close game, games, and that they won't all of a sudden go from like winning all of them to losing all of them. I think that the five hundred sort of probably where they'll end up, but um, that's sort of where I'm at. So Adnan, you have them at five and twelve. Uh, how do you feel about that overall record? Do you think where do you think they'll end up in the draft? Uh, five and twelve. Last year, seven wins, and with a bit of luck last season, with some of the teams ahead of them, uh, while well, right ahead of them, uh, winning games like this season, the Falcons picked eighth. Uh, I think with five wins, they they could possibly maybe even pick uh, in the top five, like late top five, uh, maybe. Uh, I haven't gone game by game for the other teams, but I would probably say maybe around fifth, fifth or sixth, uh, somewhere around there. And, you know, that's that'll be a hell of a draft pick to get them a, re- a big, like, impact player. Uh, and, you know, that, then next season with, you know, with a strong draft class and with a strong free agency class where they'll have a lot of money and with likely an easier schedule, by my prediction of fourth place schedule probably um they will they'll pro uh will be talking about you know potentially uh a trip back to the playoffs next season in 2023 and i know our arthur smith you know shudders at the thought of anyone mentioning you know the future and anything beyond week one but you know it's it's kind of our job here as well so you know I think this will be one of those transition years where 
the team plays really hard and we're proud of the effort, but they're probably just going to get out talented most weeks. And honestly, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, you can't have, can't win them all. Um, and I, I would definitely take a competitive uh, roster winning uh, not many games over, you know, some of those much better rosters and uh, completely disappointing us the way that we've seen over the past few years. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I do think this team will actually look better than last year because in case you guys uh, forgot, like they lost a lot of games like really badly last year. Um, so like it, it was like, yes, they won seven games, but the losses were like excruciating. Like they got like they got their asses kicked like so much. Um so, like, I hope that's not the case this year. I hope that they, they win maybe fewer games, but they actually are, like, watchable in the games that they lose instead of just being, like, crushingly bad. Um, that would be an improvement, in my opinion. I would make those games a little bit easier to watch the film of instead of just watching them get, you know, crushed. But, uh, Dave, talk to us about your prediction. You're the, the rosiest of the three of us at 7 and 10. Uh, so how do you feel about that uh, prediction overall? Not confident. <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things where there's there's just a lot of borderline games on the schedule, but the Falcons, so much of what we're talking about here is is a big if for them, right? Like we saw how bad they were last year, and now we're in a position to say, you know, if Mariota uh, thrives in this offense, if Elijah Wilkinson can actually play left guard, if Dalman's an upgrade on Hennessy, if the young pass rushers work out, you know, if the coaching staff has learned from all the things they said they've learned from, if, you know, there's more of the defensive improvement that Dean Pease is looking for, like, it, it is a big if year. And so, to me, it feels like there could be a lot of variance here. So, I, I, I've struggled a lot with, like, where to end up in that, like, five to eight win range, which is where I think they'll ultimately be. But at the end of the day, I guess it really doesn't matter that much because I, I think most of us agree this is a team that's probably going to fall short of the playoffs. And what we're looking for, like you said, Kevin, is are they competitive? Are they not getting blown off the field by good football teams? Are they winning games they're supposed to? Are they, you know, showing some consistency in terms of the offense and the defense both playing well at once, which is something we didn't see very often last year. So to me, like I, I'm not feeling super confident about a win total, but at the end of the day, what I am feeling confident about is that this is a better football team than it was a year ago, regardless of what that win total ends up being. So I, I do think if they end up at seven wins, you're talking about a pick right around probably 10, um, which would be a third straight season of them taking a swing at an impact talent. And as Adnan said, having the money to spend to make 2023 a great year, which I think it could very well be. So I think we're, we're getting close to the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't think we're going to quite come out of this year being like they figured it out. You know, we all got to eat a big bowl of crow um, because they won 10 games. Like I'd love to, I'd love to eat that bowl of crow. You can tell me I'm wrong all day long if the Falcons make the playoffs, but uh, I, I can't see it. So, you know, seven wins it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, I agree. Like I would, I think we'd all be super happy to be wrong and have the Falcons in the playoffs uh, as long as they're like a good team and not just like sort of sneaking in and, 
you know, everyone knows that they're just a one and done because that's just wasting everyone's time and taking the draft pick. So I want them to be legitimately good getting into the playoffs and being like one of the shocks of the league this year. Um, I would be very excited if that were to happen. But ultimately, I think if they just show some fight, if they're like this year's Lions, where it's like, oh, everyone, everyone now is going into the season, like predicting the Lions to make the playoffs and all this stuff. And I'm certain that, you know, Hard Knocks had something to do with that, too, because, you know, that was good, good season. The Lions are very likable. Um, but like, if you look at their roster against the Falcons, like outside of the offensive line, tell me that that roster is like better than Atlanta's. I mean, um, I would say the Falcons are better in several areas and, you know, the Lions are definitely better on the offensive line. That's the strength of that team. But like, you know, like we're all hot, we're all good with Drew Goff or Jared Goff as a quarterback now, like everyone's fine with that, you know, like, like we're just going to overlook that, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like did you guys see that they went three and 13 last year three well three 13 and one technically so um you know it, they didn't win a lot of games last year um so you know i think that the falcons and the lions are very similar uh detroit's luck will probably turn around this year they'll probably be closer to seven wins uh i think the falcons may be a little bit lower than that uh only slightly though uh but you know ultimately i i hope that they win as many games as possible and We'd all love to be talking about a playoff-bound Falcons team than a non-playoff-bound Falcons. Like, as much as I love draft takes, I'm fine putting off draft takes until February. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, in fact, I would enjoy that because it makes it, you know, more intense when I got to cram all those prospects into, like, two months instead of, like, six months because the team is so bad. So um, definitely would be happy to be wrong about that. Um, all right, let me read off a couple of donations from our show's benefactor george costanza himself first of all george with the five dollars says i took my friend and my trainee aka a rookie driver learning from him to the white Sox game got us premium seating tickets and we saw dylan cease almost throw the no hitter it was their first ever game and they got to experience the high life braves tied up go braves you know i don't watch a lot of baseball but you know it is really funny watching because there's a lot of mets fans up here they've all looked extremely dejected like lately and i was wondering why it's like oh yeah they blew like a yeah, they, they, they blew like an 11-game lead or something, so now I understand. So that is pretty funny. Um, the funny thing about that is uh, the Mets have played really, really well, like, since June 1st. Like, they ha- they haven't even collapsed. It's just the Braves have gone on this, like, historic, like, pace where they've just, like, completely, like, eradicated the lead. And it's so funny. Like, I'm seeing Mets fans talking about, oh, like, this is, like, the best Mets season in my lifetime, and I can't even enjoy it because, you know, they're so – they're so terrified of the Braves right now. The, yeah. The Braves are the most well-run organization in Atlanta. Like, and maybe in all of Major League Baseball at this point. They're just, God, I love the Braves. I wish I wish the Falcons could, you know, have what the Braves have. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Maybe someday we'll get there. Maybe someday we'll get to that level of sustained success. I would certainly be open to that. Um all right, and then George Costanza with one more $5 donation. Thank you, George. He says, seriously, you guys are high if you think Carolina's going to win seven games. I have us winning three uh, Seahawks, Bears, Commanders. Uh, that's so we can get Will Anderson Jr. with our pick. There's no one else that could be barring major injury. He's insane, could change this defense. He's that good. I mean, no argument there on Will Anderson Jr. He would be the guy. Uh, he would be the perfect player for this team. Uh, they really need that sort of impact edge rusher to add to the rotation, like that legit number one guy. Because I think they have some intriguing number two guys right now with like Lorenzo Carter and Arnold Bicati, but neither one is like a double digit, you know, perennial 
Pro Bowl type of player. I think Ebikidi will be good, and I think Lorenzo Carter will be good, much better than anyone they had last year. But um, Will Anderson Jr. and that sort of like top edge rushing talent is like another thing entirely that they haven't had since like John Abraham. So uh, I totally am on board with the Will Anderson Jr. pick. Absolutely. Um, well, guys, uh, we are we are coming to the end here. Uh, before we we get to some final takes from everyone, I do want to give you guys an update on the programming schedule for the regular season. We'll be going to a whopping four shows a week here on the channel. Two of which will be recorded uh, video podcasts. Uh, two of which will be live shows. Those are the ones you guys should be familiar with if you followed us for multiple seasons. So obviously, we will. Uh, have the flagship Wednesday show at 8 p.m. Eastern time coming out on the podcast feed on Thursday morning. That will not change. Uh, On Friday, we will have a game preview show. I will be recording that with Alan Sterk, uh, which will be sort of a game preview focus show because we figured out that we never really get to the game preview on these Wednesday shows. We always have so much to say about the previous game and everything else going on. There was just, like, it was always just sort of tacked on in the last, like, 10 minutes. So it's going to get its own show uh, a little bit later in the week when we have more injury report to digest. So that'll be on Friday mornings coming out on the channel and on the podcast feed for you audio listeners. Um, on Sunday or the day of the game, we will have the uh, Falcoholic Live post-game show, which is always a lot of fun, usually. Sometimes it's, you know, torture for me, but whatever. You know, it's, it's usually good either way. Uh, that will be immediately following the game. And then on Tuesdays, we will have the film review show. Uh, that'll probably just be like a solo show. Um, if I can get, you know, the video to work where I can actually do some like film breakdown stuff specifically, then I'll try to do that in the video version. It will still be an audio show. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how well that works. Either way, I'll talk about the film review and the plays that, you know, stood out to me. But um, that'll be Tuesday morning. So four shows you guys will get. Occasionally, you'll get a fifth show when we do the patron Q&A as well. So... Um, lots of content coming your way. If you want to support us in that endeavor, you can always donate at the link in the show. It's streamlabs.com slash, uh, thefalcoholic slash tip. Uh, we will read your questions and comments. Uh, you can also support us on a monthly basis on Patreon. Link to that is patreon.com slash falcoholic live. Uh, if you're interested in getting involved with that, thank you guys so much for all that support. Uh, now before we sign off, we need to get you uh, a built bar sponsorship, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Give me some built bars. I actually like those. So I, I'll eat those. Uh, Aaron, hook me up with that built bar plug. Um, so <laughs> send me some boxes. Yeah. Oh my God! Let's. <laughs> yeah, you're challenging Aaron Freeman with that one. You're you're impeding on his territory now. <laughs> built bar. I actually like built bars. Uh, they are pretty good. So yeah, brought to you by Twizzlers. Twizzlers, call me too. You know. Um, we got the shirt we do we have the shirt Adnan's still loyal to the brand he's still loyal to the brand he's very he's very dedicated they sent me some some stuff one time and now i'm uh now i'm loyal for life yep yep. that's some shit guys you you know doritos (laughs) Uh, any of these guys really i mean i'll listen to all takers you could email the show falcoholiclive at gmail.com you know i'm a big fan of paydays yeah you know Snickers, uh, you know, Twix, all that stuff. Um, well, get us some candy. We'll, we'll eat. We'll eat it on the show. We'll talk I about. I will. It. I will yeah. absolutely do it. Be- beers, any kind of beer. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm still pumping Twizzlers out here. That that was like a year ago. 
Yeah, I'll accept. Uh, I'll accept Sloop Sloop Brewing. You want to hit me up uh, for that IPA sponsorship? I, I'll have. <laughs> George wants it to be sponsored by pickle juice slushies. So, uh, <laughs> brought to you by Mountain Dew. I mean, look, I I don't judge. I'll take all of these. You know, th- those all seem pretty, pretty extreme. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. So, all right. Before we sign off, I uh, want to thank my guest, our guest this evening, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything else you'd like to add or anything you'd like to plug before we sign off? Uh, yeah, just three things. Um, we have a ton of great content coming. Uh, I've been reading a bunch of pieces from my lovely and talented writers um, who have put in some great stuff. So definitely. How lovely and talented, Dave? Uh, just to the moon, to the moon and back. Talk just, to me dirty. <laughs> that's just <laughs> 10 out of 10, 11 out of 10. Um, but so there's a lot of great stuff. We're doing some uh, great season previews. I know um, Alan Sturk's got something coming up on franchise cornerstones. Aaron Freeman's got some great stuff on the state of the trenches, how it'll define the season. Adnan's taking a look at the series history, which the Falcons are still leading. Um, and so we, we've just got a ton of great stuff coming up in the next few days. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for the live coverage of the game, my increasingly unhinged tweets. And as always, the hell with the Saints. Go Falcons. Yep, go Falcons. You know, just because I predicted the Saints to win to give them the kiss of death doesn't mean I'm not going to be cheering on the Falcons all weekend. So, don't, you know, don't get that mixed up. Don't get that mixed up. So thank you, Dave, again for your contributions uh, tonight. Uh, I know the people love that hashtag Dave meet. So uh, <laughs> the most uncomfortable of all the bits, you know. <laughs> uh, just, just a real winner, though. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> All right, Adnan Ikic is my co-host. He's at Say Which Way on the Twitters. Adnan, anything else you'd like to add or plug before we sign off tonight? Uh, yeah. So you know, now that we're in the season, I, I'm finally writing content. You know, uh, I'm sure Dave is happy about that. Um, yeah, we have. I'm going to be doing the series history and my uh, patented "What if we win or lose" article. Uh, every single week for every single matchup and after every single game i'll be looking at the fantasy football perspective um looking at one player that stood out uh for everyone's fantasy teams for the falcons and one player who kind of disappointed i've been doing that one for a few years as well and you know another thing that i actually did was uh, i contributed to a couple of round tables so definitely big news yeah, definitely check out uh, check out some of our roundtables that we have going that you know Dave uh, so uh, so beautifully crafted together for us. Um, uh, there's the one about why why we hate the Saints, and I think we have another one. Uh, that one went today. I think that was published today. And there's another one uh, from the Falcoholic team that's going to be coming in the coming days where we make our official predictions so you guys can hold us to whatever we predict because it'll officially be on paper and you guys can probably go back to that at the end of the season and say that we're we're dumb or whatever um but yeah check, uh, check those out as well and check out kevin's you know indentured servitude uh moving forward uh i'll probably be at two of them per week i'll i'll be of course uh, doing this show every Wednesday, and I'll be at the vast majority of those uh, Falcons post-game shows as well. Very cool. I'm looking forward to not doing them all myself this year. Uh... Hey, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
I've been on those shows for years. Come on. You have, you have. No, this it was like it was one particular. I think it was just bad timing. So I think you were on vacation, and then like Evan was also doing something else. So then it was just like three or four weeks in a row, and then it was like when they were just they lost like three or four games in a row, and it was just the worst timing. So you know, happy to have. Uh, we just have one post game program now. So now Evan can't escape the live show anymore. So he's he's you know you know now he's uh, obligated to come on the post game with me. Um, he can't, you know, get away to DW's show instead. So, mwahaha. <laughs> never never was here first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get off my get off my lawn, you know. Um, yeah, guys, we really appreciate everyone for hanging out. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Uh, you guys can check out. I did something for our NFL season preview for SB Nation. Uh, that is the How It's Going article. Uh, you can check that out where I broke down the roster and all that stuff. Um, tomorrow I'll, I'll be doing our NFL picks every week for every single game. We'll hope that this year I will do better. Last year I started off pretty rough. Uh, so hopefully this year I can just do better from the start. Um, so that I can be better than like the 50th percentile of, of NFL pickers, uh, by the time the season ends. So that that's my goal this year. Um, you can check that out, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night football, uh, so that'll be fun and great game between the, uh, the bills and the Rams looking forward to that. Uh, and yeah, I will be recording the first game preview show of the season with Alan Sterk, uh, for Friday as well. So you can look forward to that new hashtag content coming your way very soon. Um, all right, guys, for myself, for Adan Ikic and for our special guest, Dave Choate, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you very soon on Sunday for the Falcons Falcoholic Live post game show. Uh, hopefully, celebrating a week one victory. They have we have not had one in quite some time, and wouldn't it be great if the first one in a while came against the Saints? I think so. Since um, twenty seventeen, to be exact. Yep. And so, again, we have not been above five hundred for even a day since twenty seventeen. So the best the best opportunity for that to happen is probably to win week one. Or, or, so, or as I tweeted, we have not been above five hundred since I started. Uh, writing for the site, and you know, a lot of people got mad at me for that. <laughs> well, out that you are the curse, so that's yes. your own. I have yeah, no you should have never admitted it. You should have never okay. admitted it. Okay. I don't believe in curses, and also Carter started the same time. As me, so it be <laughs> okay, maybe it's Carter Brazil's fault, actually, but instead. So. Carter did not call attention to it, so yeah. I, you're very, suspicious. Very sus, very sus, Adnan, very sus. So. <laughs> yeah, Dave, I forgot to mention during my contract signing that if you hired me, the Falcons would never win again. I, I think that just slipped my mind. Well, to be fair, I did make you sign a blood contract, so water under the bridge. Water yeah. under the look, bridge. Look, the content must flow, okay? Like that. <laughs> we, yeah, have yeah. To, we have to make deals. We got to wheel and deal sometimes. You yeah, know, I'll, also, I would like just want, I would like at least one season where the team is winning and, and you know, I'm covering it. With, yeah. with dog call. I haven't had one of those. Like, <laughs> just give me one. Like, it, winning is so much more fun than losing. Yeah. I came in for the 2016 season, so it's not my fault. <laughs> I came in right before that. So, you know. 2006 season, so it's possible all of this is my fault. We That's true. Honest. That's true. We could go way back. We could go, we could way, go back. way, way back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we really appreciate you all. Dave was right when the site was just pixelated back in the day. Yeah, he had, like, music in the background. You know, there were, like, some quizzes about his personality on the sidebar. He had that MySpace going. I had to type it out, rip it out of my typewriter, 
copy it and mail it to everybody who wanted to read it. That's how long I've been doing this. So yeah, I'll, honestly, Dave, I I would like to get your perspective during an off season show of just writing back in those prehistoric days of like 2006 which is prehistoric compared to like the modern like internet like right now what we have like I, did you even smartphones weren't even a thing back then were they i had a uh, i had a track phone i think so like yeah. one of those prepaid phones where you paid for a certain amount of minutes and so forth. Um, so yeah. no not really and i used to put like when the falcoholics started out I, I, I know the show's over so i'll be quick I had to put in like the href flag. Yep. So like I, I the links like didn't automatically populate the way they do in like a CMS now. I always had to like put in the HTML yeah. everything like bold and and so forth. So I am a I am a friggin' dinosaur, man. I feel oh, it. Oh yeah. No, I was learning. I learned HTML uh, in middle school, um, and then I thanked God that I never had to actually use it. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't learn like extreme HTML, like enough to create like a functioning website. But, um, yeah, I was really happy when I got to high school and they're like, oh yeah, we use this thing called Dreamweaver now. It just like does all that stuff for you. It's, oh, great. So, you know, three years of my life wasted, but I couldn't be happier. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that I know what the href tag, you know, actually does, but you know, good thing I don't need it anymore. So, um, yeah. Yeah, guys, we really appreciate everyone for hanging out. Uh, we got to save the rest for the like origins of the Falcoholic Pod coming to you this off season. Um, you know, prehistoric, uh, you know, pre-chorus, pre-pre-SB Nation runs on a floppy disk Falcoholic. So I'm interested to hear these stories uh, as well. Um, but yeah, guys, uh, we'll let you go for tonight. We will see you guys uh, if you're here. Uh, you can watch obviously Friday's game preview, and then we will see you on Sunday. At approximately 4 o'clock, you know, give or take 10, 20 minutes uh, for hopefully a victory celebration. But either way, we'll be here to recap the Falcons' first game of the year. It is almost here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so we can't couldn't be more excited to bring in another Falcons season with you all. Uh, thank you once again for your diligent, steadfast support of the show and of the site, thefalconhawk.com. Until then, guys, have a terrific day week enjoyed the opening game stress-free and uh yeah well, i'm excited we'll get to you get back to you on sunday guys until then have a great night folks <laughs>